2: welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week, I'm still in the company of the phenomenal Louise Rednut because, well, frankly, we had way too much to catch up on to contain it all into one episode. So we carried on recording and reflecting on her incredible life and times. On last week's episode, we lifted the lid on the heady days of the 90s, her decision to quit Eternal at the peak of their success in order to go solo, and then stepping aside to raise her family and taking 17 years out before bravely stepping back into the spotlight and relaunching her career. That was all covered in our first question. So sit back, plug in and top up your glass as we rejoin Louise as she steps up to the mic for question number two. Question number two, Lou, you're about to put out your greatest hits, a celebration of a body of work that provides the tracks of your years. But what I wanted to know is what are the actual tracks of your years? The songs by other artists that mean the most because of the moments or the chapters that they represent. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh God! I mean, so many. I mean, obviously, I will survive <laughs> if I yeah. were again as the opening one. That would definitely be my opening title. Um, God, that's great because it did start everything. It was really it the B side you sang? No, so I sang on back then. You could get like the instrumental versions on the B side, like a backing track. So I took a backing track in. <laughs> it's like first, all, I was afraid, I was petrified, and I was like <laughs> just turning eleven. Um, I think going back, I think things like. Musically, that what remind me so much of my early years. Stevie Wonder, Signed, Still delivered, Ra- uh, Nature Boy, and then Randy Crawford, and and that pure Randy and Crawford. yeah, <gasps> like has. I mean that Street Life. Street. They they really remind me of my childhood. Can you not perform Street Life in your live show for me, please? Oh, I'll do that for you next Thanks, gig. Babe. Do you? Yeah? yeah, that one you want? Yeah, June first. What a song. September June first. Yeah, I'll be we're there. there. You're there. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's yeah. Yeah, I, I, that would be really good, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, um, I always do the boss. I'm going to do the boss at Shepherds Bush, regardless of what my musical director says. I love it. It just gives me tingles. That was one of them songs that I used to make my family sit down in the dining room and come and do a show. Yeah, at. the boss and Ain't No Mountain High Enough. And There's I used to some- do all the talking behind the kitchen Did counter, you? coming into ain't and Yeah, I mean, I was that child that would sell tickets to the family to watch me in the living room. Sell tickets. Um, <laughs> 50p, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I got definitely that whole era. And then I think after that, as I got into teenage years, I was never really into, like, current music. I always liked... I've always been my own person in everything I do. You've got old musical bones. I've got old musical bones. I'm like it today. Like I have friends that say you never really join part of the the scene. Like you're always slightly left of the scene. You do your own little thing on a night out or whatever right. the case may be. Um, so then I think I went into Luther Vandrostes, Whitney,
2: Luther Whitney. I think
3: never too much. All of those, such you know, a great record that such great, such great music. Um, and then. I was kind of like into my hip hop before my Eternal days. I liked a bit of Cypress Hill, all of Thank that. You. Yeah, I think it was my my roots coming out there in my musical direction. I just loved anything with a good bassline and yeah. a good hip hop beat. Um, and then I was in Eternal, and then I feel feel after that, it was. And then you got
2: to work with some amazing people, like BB. You know, BB Wynans. Did you yeah. do that? Was that you? You were on that one, weren't you? Yeah,
3: got to work with BB. Um, We started off doing crazy with BB actually, so we went over to Nashville. Um, BB one is just for anyone listening is like. he's a huge legend a huge gospel legend he's got a big gospel family one of the loveliest families i mean talent beyond so anyway it is a bit intimidating isn't it when they all start singing you just go i'll get my coat i mean and i remember going into the studio (laughs) in nashville as well in nashville (laughs) and um going well actually before this we'd on the sunday morning we had just flown in he was like i want to take you to my church all right okay that sounds fab so we all go along to church, we're sat at the front with Bibi and his family, and then you've got Luther, and then you've got Whitney Houston, and then you've got Brian McKnight, and then you've got Take Six, and you've got Raphael Sadiq, anyone that knows me, I'm a massive Raphael Sadiq fan, he's an amazing, amazing uh, funk guitarist, and um, I'm just sat there, in looking around, in church with all of those people, in church of those people going, oh! <laughs> Like completely in awe, walk into the studio the next day, bearing in mind I just heard all of these people singing and how incredible they were. And Bibi was like, "So Lou, I think you should uh, take the first, the first verse." I'm like, uh. me? What the first verse? <laughs> do you want Bernie, Esther?" I'm like, "Um, oh, I, 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 I'm not the lead singer. I don't, I don't do the verses." He was like, "You do now." <laughs> I was like, Shit, <laughs> you're kidding me! And there I was, you know. They see you walking, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm the first verse, and I did it, I did it yeah. Wow. And uh, like just, but memories like that. So musically, you that, are kind
2: of literally standing on the shoulders of giants in those moments, oh aren't you?
3: God, I mean, beyond people that set precedents within the music industry, like the biggest-selling artists, people that. Just talent just engulfs any room, and that's so intoxicating when you're around that much talent, isn't it? Do you know what was so nice? They were all so humble mm. and so lovely, and I think that how was Whitney? I mean, she I met her on a few occasions, and on every occasion, uh, just the superstar you'd expect her to be, but a very nice one. Mm. Like everything, you know, they say never meet your idols.
2: Yeah, I worked with her a few times. There was only one time where she just seemed. You know, not kind of present.
3: I think we were. I sort of worked well, was in the sort of her presence in the earlier days where she was at the height of her game, mm-hmm. and um, she lived up to be everything you would want Whitney to be, yeah. I mean, just but again, that intoxicating,
2: yeah. talent, yeah, it's just
3: it's world renowned, isn't it? You, get, you get, talent, get drunk on it, don't you? It's and like, then oh. you get like that level, so um. Yeah, Yeah, so so we've got
2: got that all covered. And then what about when you move into the years where you step back?
3: What was the music that sustained you? Or did you have to kind of just turn it off for a while? Well, when I was at home with the kids, oh, no, music still was such a big part. But it was that typical playing music in the kitchen. But I did go for a little bit of a period of not listening to music. It sounds really uh, like nuts and people listening to this might go what but I almost felt like listening to music I love made me a bit sad Mm. because I it reminded me of what I wasn't doing so I often didn't watch music videos I often unless I was out and enjoying music and have letting my hair down I often switched off from what was going on because yeah I suppose it was FOMO I just Mm. thought I really want to be doing that and and I can't and there's no way I'll ever do it again did you really think that for a while? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And I never thought I'd get to make music again. Wow, that's... I didn't think that you felt like that. Yeah, I didn't think there would just ever be the opportunity. I just thought, who's going to, you know, want more music from me? Like, I I don't know. I just felt like that ship had sailed. It just wouldn't be an option again. Yeah, I never thought I'd do music again.
2: Gary Barlow said he'd stop singing for the best part of a decade. Yeah. Because of everything we're just talking about there. And yeah. the, it was just so painful for him. Yeah. Having been a singer, he just went mute. He wrote music, that yeah. had no interest in singing.
3: I used to just sort of like, you know, Christmas would come and you'd put all the sort of Mariahs and that one in the kitchen and it would all be playing. And I used to love it, but there used to be a... I want to be out there doing it.
2: Like a sucker punch.
3: Yeah, yeah, but you you don't believe. it's You can't just all of a sudden... And the industry has tra- changed a little bit more now where you can just make music and put it out online and yeah, social media, yeah. but you couldn't then. Yeah, You couldn't make a, a record. Well, you needed a deal, right? You needed yeah. a record deal. You needed radio to play it. You needed money to to... But not kind of money on a personal level, but money... You know on an international marketing level, you needed millions of
2: pounds of investment from a label,
3: yeah. You couldn't just go, Oh, I'm going to make music, and and then the stakes
2: were high, right? Because you everything rode on your chart position and your number of sales. It's different now, they they sign you in, they earn yeah. everything you do, you yeah. Get 360 deals and they earn it's on touring different. merch,
3: yeah, all of that stuff. But at the time, it was all on that, so the stakes were so high. It was literally you couldn't afford to not have a top 10 record, no. and I'm not talking about financially, but you couldn't afford to to not chart, because no. if you didn't chart, there's every chance that you wouldn't have the next record. See, I was always aware at Smash Hits that the
2: the, the journey of a hit record started with us. And if it didn't start with us, mm. it was unlikely to have that kind of sail through to yeah. to, to the charts. Smash
3: but, Hits, road shows, all of those things. Yeah, if
2: you got Smash Hits, then Radio One took you seriously. If you got Radio One, you were likely to chart. If you charted, you went on top of the pops. Yeah. And that was the circle. Yeah. And then you would do CD UK on a Saturday morning or yeah. whatever. So that that was. They were like
3: your five. Yeah. Main they were your events. touchstones, but it yeah. kind of
2: started with, you know, if we bigged, if we bigged you up at Smash Hits, that was huge because radio had to huge. at least listen and look. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You you needed a few things to fall into place. You needed Smash Hits to be behind you. You needed that front cover really mm. for it to really kind of pop. See, and as a
2: female editor i felt the weight of that responsibility certainly when it came to you because we were yeah. friends by then as well and then with the spice girls and they came in and gave me i mean what for they just stormed into the office one day no appointment they were brilliant yeah. they're like you've got to support us you're a woman and i was the first woman yeah. to edit the magazine yeah and i did take it upstairs and i did get told this is on on your neck beer. i tell you you know so i said to them get a number 1 I'll give you support, but I can't give you a cover until you've had a number one. Yeah. And that was the deal. So we gave them a big double page spread saying we love them, we think they're great. Yeah. They charted, they went to number one and and off and up we were running. But I had to put my neck on the line for that.
3: Yeah, I can which is mad, isn't it? Because you think the biggest selling girl band ever, right? Well,
2: now it looks like an actor's madness. But at the time, yeah, you know, I remember sitting in my office with the the publishers and saying, Look, Take that split up at the beginning of the year. They came at the kind of the end of the year. We tried lots of different things. Oasis were huge. Blur were huge. Indie was happening. I was like, none of this stuff is working for us. What have we got to lose? Let me shoot the girls. And if it doesn't work, fine. On my
3: head, be it. Yeah. Well, someone made a very smart move that day in you. I mean, you... You read that and look at the sensation that came I after thought, what it. what else
2: can we lose?
3: That must have been their first front cover when they did yours. One
2: of the first. I think it was us and Peter Lorraine at Top of the Pops. Yeah. And I had to get, by the th- it ch- when they got their midweeks in, so we used to get a faxed midweeks. Yeah, I do remember the As it scrolled out really slow, <laughs> sort of like... Yeah, oh. uh, 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 and you go oh my god so they're not in the 40 they're not in the 30 they're not in the 20 oh my god they've gone top 10 they've gone top 10 where is it where is it the midweek was number one i was like right get tom howard on a plane to japan now tom howard was a really great photographer i'm sure you've shot yeah And they were in Japan doing the promo trail over there. And I called Simon Fuller and I was like, we'll shoot the cover. He's flying over with a colorama. Do you remember those yeah. kind of like colored backgrounds? <laughs> Under his arm. Literally. And um, we shot it on a pink backdrop with them just. I said, we had 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Because they were suddenly the busiest band in the world. Yeah. And they had to punch their way through the colorama. Yeah. Amazing. I remember it. I remember the cut. Co- you know, and I, I do that. remember yeah. it.
3: In fact, yeah. I saw it
2: in a retro shop. I was like, look, our yeah. cover's still going.
3: You're right, though. There were sort of powerful moments within an industry. And then the, the thing that was really hard to get back then was Top of the Pops. Yeah. That wasn't easy. And we were talking about um, Rick earlier. that Rick Baxall. Yeah. yeah. That you could only do Top of the Pops when he was... Like head producer, if you were willing to go on there live, completely live, live band, live, um, and it was always a little bit of a, you felt so proud to be asked to do that because he knew that you could, yeah. and you felt in the world of pop where it was so documented that no one sang live, no one, everyone minded at that, mind, time, at that was. time, and I think. A lot of people didn't sing live at that time because it was quick and easy to just get bands in without the back line. You know, when you sing live now, it's it, you have got your in-ears, you've got your monitor guy, you've got your guy out front. I mean, the cost of putting on a show... Huge. is huge. It's huge. So it was just quicker, quick and easy, turn up, give you a dodgy mic, mime away... Go home everything sounds great rather than going in for sound rehearsals having all your backline having but rick was very like no this is top of the pops if you come on the show we're gonna do live so um it was always nice when you got to do it but during the period that he was there you knew that it would be your big live performance but that was
2: another nuts scenario wasn't it though like, you you go because i hosted top of the pops after smash hits and you're I and mean, it's not a big studio right yeah and a tiny And you're studio. next door to Eastenders set yeah. and you're sharing a canteen with you yep. know Pauline Fowler <laughs> and that and that would happen every week Yeah, so it's the most unglamorous of places and in this small room you would have. I posted on Instagram recently a picture of me walking into studio with Whitney Houston behind me. Yeah, and
3: I think we had Madonna on that week. It was and, huge. And pops was like everything. It I was mean, the biggest stars. We in filmed the world. it on a Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, everything around your ske- your schedule is a pop up. Got to keep artist, it keep it clear for the... F- just in case you got pops. Yeah. just in case, you know, well rehearsed for pops. Well, and if you got two top of the pops, well,
2: you were laughing. You were laughing. It's Friday, it's yeah. 7.30, it's still number one, and then the camera would pull out and you
3: go, it's top of the pops, and it felt like the coolest thing oh, in the whole world ever to say. It was so cool, though. It doesn't get cooler than that, does Never. it? Never. I remember I was literally being like on the stage with you me. saying it, and yeah. like, you know, and your heart is racing and you're on pops, and then it or you've got like the countdown and the music's there, and you're waiting for your performance because you're where you're you're sort of sat in the charts, and then you're they get your number read out, and you will be like, okay, and at number five, we've got <laughs> like she's that. naked, she's
2: not, <laughs> it's Louise 90s <laughs> <Yeah. Nineties> wink.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you've done that before, definitely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel so pleased that I was i got to do music during that era it's was great wasn't it so much fun oh take me back for a day in the top of the so much studio. fun ready for your third and final question
0: yes many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care
2: Okay, it's your third and final question. As you release your greatest hits, I wondered if we could take it back to the 90s because back in the 90s when you released a record, you would always put sleeve notes together and thank yous. So as you compile your greatest hits sleeve notes, I want to know who you're thanking and why.
3: So I actually wrote my sleeve notes five days ago, four no. or five days ago for um, yeah, the greatest hits. Wow, so you are doing sleeve. Yep. And um, they went across two pages and they, my management were like, we need to cut this down to one page because it's... it's not a book, Lou. It's not a book, yeah. <laughs> you're not writing a book. But I just felt like there were so many key people I wanted to thank. Um, and I sat there and I was voice noting them because I'm much better when I just talk than trying to write it. If I write it down on paper, it, it all comes out a bit strange. So I just talk it for somebody else to write it up. And um, whoever wrote them up, I think was a host of people from the office. I was having a little sniver and like, you know, and that lump goes in the back of your throat because it just takes you back and you feel so grateful for these people that along the way have just been such a solid consistence in your life, like just people that have been there. And, um, yeah, so I started off my thank yous with the girls Esther Verney and Kelly. Did you? Yeah, I felt like, out of everybody, I needed to start there, because... You still see... I know you see Kelly I a lot. I see her. yeah. I haven't um, seen the others for no. a long, long time. The odd bit of correspondence, but very little. So it's no ill it's no feeling, it's just different lives, yeah? Yeah, yeah no ill feeling, just, yeah, different times. Where are like, they? Are they still performing? You, not, not right now, I don't think. I mean, they could at any stage. They're so blooming talented, but... Um, I felt like without them, nothing like what I've experienced would have happened. Mm. We all started that together, and on the Greatest Hits album, I've uh, covered "Stay," "Just a Step," and "So Good." Ah, oh, that's so, so I've nice. So i re-recorded those, and um, and all I could think was, I really want to do "I'm Proud." I really want them to listen and go, "Yeah, Lou, smash that! She's done a thing." Um, so they were my first thank yous, yeah. And then I sort of went down to Dennis and Ollie and Wendy Bulldog, lovely Wendy. Wendy, Wendy you worked who in the Who I still office. see all the time. But well, she wouldn't
2: I say worked in the office, she was part of the management team. She was
3: part of, yeah, she was real my sort of sidekick through all those eternal days. Like she travelled with us. She was, you know, there was advice that she gave me over the years that I've never, ever let go of. I've always just stuck. She's always said to me, never be too busy to have a meeting, you know, always treat everybody the same from on the way down to the way up, like just bit words of advice that have just stayed with me. And it's so true because you know what, you, you behave well the
2: first time around and you get a chance the second time around. If you don't behave well on the first time out, there is no second chance. There is chance. no second chance. No one has, t- certainly when you get to this stage in your career, nobody wants to work with
3: arseholes. No, and there's too much options out there now that no one needs to work with ourselves because there's always somebody that's better next door there is always someone that's going to be better than you always or there's an alternative for sure but what they might not be better at is how you make other people feel Mm. there's always going to be someone with a better voice or can kick higher or can you know pirouette more (laughs) or whatever the case may be in whatever walk of life your job's in but one thing that people can't always have over you is how you treat other people that's mm-hmm. completely in your hands um, and I think that's always sort of stayed with me and, oh, and also that doesn't feel like hard work for me to treat people with respect no and nice actually I feel that that you've been around people hand. that don't right I've been around many that don't and witnessed many that don't and yeah I sort of sit there and think yeah I give you like a year in this industry because people don't need it Life's yeah. too short. Like people can go and work with people that are lovely. So why would you waste your time? Yeah. Um, I think you can get away with it when you're at the very, very top. But then I think your days are numbered.
2: But, you know, once you hit the top, there's only one place to go and that's
3: down. Yeah. It's managing the
2: descent, isn't it? Yeah.
3: And that's that can sometimes be harder than managing the rise. Yeah,
2: If you curry favour along the way. It's a yeah. much easier descent. A hundred percent. It really is. A hundred percent. So so that, that that's all the First Avenue management team from yep. that first
3: time round. First time round, yeah. Do you still speak to Dennis and Ollie? Occasionally, not. I haven't spoken to Ollie in ages. I'll now and again bump into Dennis or hear something about him, but I, don't, I very rarely see him. So that, that sort of, that was like my thank yous, early days. And then obviously I went to friends, friends that have been there, like my close buddies that kind of just been there throughout, no matter what just always been there the side of every gig I've done to giving me a little text message when I've been on the red carpet or something going love it babes look fab you know just those little snippets of encouragement my cheerleaders yeah um then to my current sort of management and who have been on such a journey with me because they sort of scooped me up when you know the chips were down, so to speak. and So when did you get signed with them
2: then? Was this after Strictly?
3: Yep, so this was um, for Heavy Love. So I so I was sort of like not really within a management company and um, I was sort of just sort of based somewhere. And Wayne, who looks after me now, came down and said, like they said, oh, would you just have a chat with Lou, see what you think? And he was like, well, do you fancy doing a gig? I was like, Wayne, no one wants a gig from me. Like seriously, I don't know what I'm going to do, but... I want to do something. I I think let's just put a little gig on, just see how it goes. Was this under the bridge? Under the bridge. Talked me into doing it. The morning the tickets come out, when I say like nerves beyond nerves a f- few of my friends had rang me and was like Lou we can't get tickets because I said to my friends please all buy a ticket, I'll <laughs> pay you for, I'll give you the money but just please don't let me not sell any tickets, just please buy oh, some no. tickets, so the girl my, my, my cheerleaders will all go sorry I'm getting five, I'm going to take the whole family so don't <laughs> worry and yep, And she's getting five as well so you've sold at least 20 just with us two so you're going to be fine and um, they're like Lou we can't get on the website, it's crashed, I rung my management was like I knew this was going to happen and now the press are going to write that I can't sell any tickets and I'm just going to be a laughing stock and this is just exactly why I didn't want to put myself out there and um they were like what are you talking about it's just sold out so it's been up for four minutes and they went yeah and it's sold out in four minutes so go and enjoy your day (laughs) and you know you put the phone down I pulled over the car I was like oh (laughs) 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 <laughs> Thank you. I don't need to be humiliated by anyone. Oh, no. um, Yeah, and then that was the start of it. So that's what I mean by you, you sometimes just need people to give you a quick kick up the bum and go... And to push you. And you just need that push sometimes, and we all need that.
2: And then, of course, you've signed now to a record label that's run by somebody that really understands the path you're working. on. <laughs> yes. Craig Logan. Yes, BMG, Tag 8. Yeah. yeah um, which a is great. Former member of Bros. Yep, Who's had the most incredible career um, yep. as an artist manager, as an artist. Yeah. As a
3: label boss. And he's oh, so nice. I've known him for 30 years. And um, when we talked about doing the greatest hits and... Massive, my management label were like, do you think it's worth talking to Craig about it? Like, you get on with him. He's known you a long time. He knows this industry. I was like, yeah. Craig was like, let's do it.
2: One of the nicest men you'll ever meet. Yeah. Not just in this business, just full stop. Yeah,
3: great guy. Like you say, knows the business. So calm and collected. Intelligent, and kind, calm. Yeah, which is everything this industry needs as well as... So I feel like I've got a bit of both because my manager's very, like hungry and push and we're going to get this and like we always say loves a challenge and he'll go out there and make anything happen and then you've got Craig that's like let's just breathe through this see where we're at so I feel like I get the best <laughs> yeah, of, <big> <laughs> of two worlds yeah, yeah so um, nice, you know I it's nice to have a label that yeah it's just nice to be on a label with a people I know and b that really want this to work
2: yeah who else has, has been there to kind of facilitate this second chapter of your professional self <clears throat>
3: i mean of course apart from my my friends like my mom my family they your mom's um, never not been by your side no she's here today like you said yeah um no she's been a huge supporter from day one and she what's lovely she never over involves herself in it so she'll never have a harsh opinion or she'll never tell me what she thinks i should or shouldn't be doing She's just kind of been there for all the, all the good and the bad. So she's there when you know shit hits the fan and you need a pick up. But she's also there to pat you on the back and go, yeah, well done, that was very good. And in in such a nice way that it's never overbearing. I've never felt like my mom's one of those people that's kind of so involved in my career. She lets me just go and she's get like on a with that. Manager. She's not a mummager at all. Like, when I go home, I do just go home. Mm. Like, the career and the life becomes very much second. But it, it, she cares about you, Lou, not your career. Yeah, there's there's no, there's no importance on my job. And yeah. I mean that in a good way. Yeah, healthy like, she, way. In a healthy way. She's supportive if I want to do something, but there's never an involvement. Like, she's never across everything I'm doing. Sometimes I'll ring and go, oh, I just did that. And she'll be like, oh. I didn't know you were doing that. How did it go? Yeah, it was good. All good. Anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then and, and that's absolutely as it should be. Because that's important.
3: But yeah. she's always been there and um yeah, I'm grateful for that. Because you you do. You just need those pillars. You need some pillars in your life that just prop you up. Foundation. Yeah, you do. And um, what about the boys? Do they get a mention on the oh, thank yous? My boys. Okay, so the, the ones I cried the most at when I was writing them, the boys and the dogs. <laughs> I was like, "Why am I crying, saying thank you to my dogs? What's wrong with me?" <laughs> Emotional wreck. Um, yeah, my boys—they got a huge mention, and actually, their mention was rather than me thanking them, was just about how proud of them I am. Yeah, I'm just so proud of them. They've turned out to be such good, young, strong, talented—you know—ambitious young young guys, and that makes me so happy. How is it with, with Charlie being overseas now? He's studying in America. I miss him, but it's... How did you not cry every day? <sighs> well, if you read in the papers, I did. I mean, God, it was like this big, Louise cries every day for weeks on end. I actually
2: would. <laughs> I,
3: well, I did, yeah. No, do you know what? I would what? have probably relocated to join him. I, um, it, it was... It, I was just so proud of him that he wanted to do it, and I understood it, because as a young girl, I wanted to follow my dreams. You think at his age... You were. I was doing it You were working. Age. And actually, that's what Jamie always said to him. Mum was doing it at this age. I, he was doing it. He had yeah, lived Jamie in Liverpool. was doing it. Yeah. I was in Eternal. So even though he was young, we just had to keep reminding ourselves that we were doing it at that age also. By and the age of 19, that. I was fully immersed in Eternal, away from home for months going off to America, living on my own. I wasn't at a uni. I was in America, recording, living in a hotel. So we kind of had to keep telling, kept telling ourselves that that actually we had done it at this age. And all I said to Charlie was, this is a huge opportunity for you. And I want you to go out there and love every moment of it. But I want you to know, you can always come home. And there is no shame in that. Um, But he's loving it. And actually, hearing him so happy really does make me happy. You, there is a time in your life as a mum you become completely selfless, where their happiness takes all priority.
2: I think that from the moment they're born, you yeah. are only as happy as your unhappiest child. Yeah,
3: a, a, <laughs> totally. absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. And he's so happy. And then obviously, Bobo is doing his football, and he's still very much at home. And you know, the bit I love the most when Bo will go to me, "Mama got party Saturday." And I go, all right, okay. He's like, are you okay to take me? I'm like, yep, yep, that's fine. Where is it? And he'll be wherever. And he'll go, oh, could you take um, a couple of my friends as well? And then he'll it, ring me when he's at the party and be like, can we drop so and so and so and so home? And I love it. I've got them all in the car. Put the music. I feel like I'm one of them. He's like, <laughs> okay. Don't, like, freak me out, mom, and start, like, trying to chat, call with us and stuff. <laughs> and I sit there and I listen to them all buzzing from their party and who was chatting to who and what song was played. And everything's gassed and heavy and, yeah, yes. <laughs> and ping and all of this. I'm, like, I don't know what half of these words mean, but peng. I'm just going to go with it, not peng, ping, not ping. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, ping. What does peng mean? Just so I hear all in that shape. in the back of the car and I sit there and I just think... Yeah, this is fun. This yeah. is, you know, these are little moments. These are little nuggets of gold that you just, just get in your life. It's so nice to be needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the dogs get a mention on the sleeve notes. The dogs get a mention. I love my dogs. I love my animals. But, um, yeah, so my dogs get a thank you, all of them, from, I mean... Past and present. Past and present. I mean, I've had two of my dogs in album sleeves. So, Banksy, who is my bulldog at the moment. I've got two dogs. Rudy, he's one of those, that like, I try and get him to do pictures and stuff and he just slinks off. He's like, I'm not having any of that. He wants to just sit on the sofa and be left alone to purr. But the bulldog's very much in your face. Like He wants a piece of whatever you're doing. So um, he's actually, there was a bulldog I had called Winston back in the day. I remember. Remember Winnie, my boy, who went on a 52-date tour with me and s- literally sat at the side of stage with earphones on, <laughs> waiting for me to come off. Even at Wembley, he was set by the sound, like the, the in-ear booth right by the side of stage. With ear defenders, with ear popped defenders popped on. With ear defenders on, yeah. <laughs> literally there, 52 dates oh, he no. did with me. And um, he was on the, that must have been Elbow Beach album. And then for this one, I was like, I need to get Banksy in this album sleeve and he's got the gold chain on that Winnie wore back in the day and he's on this album sleeve. So the dogs get a massive mention and a photo. And who else is... Were you surprised by some of the people that you
2: wanted to thank that you'd maybe forgotten but really were deserving of a mention?
3: Um, I think people like Wendy, actually, Wendy Bulldog, that you don't... not everybody would know about, but it played such a huge part in those sort of early days. Um, and then people like my musical director that I work with now and and like even like the girls that I go on tour with and sort of do the BVs and sit across the album. They're such... Bloody talents, like, and they so take their job in hand, like, they don't try and be you, but without them, the record's nothing because yeah. they create not just great vocals, but a whole atmosphere within a record. Yeah, they like, do. It's you, huge, it's a wall of sound. It is. People don't understand how important those backing vocals within a song, an album, how it all gets pieced together, and how they really do create a feel within a record, and atmosphere. I always think I love music that makes me feel something. Like if a, if a song doesn't make me feel, then this, it, it's not for me. And that feeling could be everything. You know, we all sit there and <laughs> listen to the radio late at night in the car and the slow songs come on and you, you get that tinge of nostalgia and emotion. But equally, like a song that just makes you want to dance. It makes yeah, yeah. You- just something that gives you a buzz that makes you want to go out for a Saturday night, that makes you want to go and put your makeup on to a song that makes you want to go and have a bath and chill and be in your own mind. Songs should always make you feel. Yeah, and they good can and be. Bad. They can be um, the best
2: motivation, all the best medicine.
3: Yeah, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. And sometimes they can be harmful in the sense, but you need to go through that because they remind you of things or they they bring an emotion that kind of makes you sort of maybe think about times or things but that's to me what great music is, just things that make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up for something. for for one reason or another and such a big part of that are the people that are making that record with you
2: yeah you have wendy singing with you don't you wendy harriet yeah i have a a, a real
3: real mix at the moment so there's katie holmes and bianca um and they're really right across this great album because i also re-recorded a lot of my old songs so Mm. it's like a double disc or a double lp so you get all of the sort of originals, but I've re-recorded. We've got a live version of Life of My Life. I've re-recorded Two-Faced, Naked, Arms Around the World. So I've oh. done a whole Let's Go Around Again. Um, so we kind of just, my voice has changed a lot in yeah, sort of 20 odd years. So I just wanted to get back in and so you get both. So you've got the originals, but you also got a bit of a lo- new live sort of take on everything. Well, you're not just a pop star now, you're an artist. I <sighs> try to be. It's nice. It's nice being able to go in and write. It's nice being able to. Not, I. I feel that for me, I'm always fighting to be taken seriously as an artist because I think when you come from that world of nineties pop, mm. people. I
2: don't know though, Lou. People are so hungry for it right now. The nostalgia that sits around. Yeah. And the reverence that people attach to it. I don't know that it's
3: it's. I don't know if that's still the case. I hope not, because I, I did recently the piano rooms for Radio 2 with their orchestra, and it's so nice to get out there and do it for real, like, properly. Well, you wouldn't have been invited to do that
2: if they didn't think you were an artist, if they still yeah. thought you were a puppety
3: yeah. pop style. And I think even <laughs> after doing this for 30 years, that little bit of validation there put a real spring in my step you know even after this long and doing all I've done and playing Wembley and and doing all of these things just being asked to go and do that and such an incredible lineup of artists I was like okay I must be all right (laughs) I must be all right I must be doing something right and I loved every minute of it
2: and I really hope that as we sit here today 30 years on from us writing that first book together you do realize that you're doing really good and oh. that you're more than all right
3: ah, and lovely. the reason
2: you're here is because of that because you're really good and you're more than all right Lou oh
3: thanks Kate it's been
2: so nice to spend yeah, time you with too. you yeah too so
3: good to see you
2: please go and buy Lou's album please go and see <laughs> her shows and please just continue to holler your support her way yeah. because um, there's nothing we like more than to hear a little bit of go on oh god rather than yeah. oh, you know
3: yeah it means a lot doesn't it yeah I think maybe an audience out there Um, will never quite appreciate how much those kind words and support mean. I think they sometimes think that we don't, as an artist or as a singer or as a presenter or Mm. whatever your job may be, I think they think maybe their sort of like shouts of support, whether it be through social, through a gig or just being there and supporting, that maybe it goes a bit unnoticed. Doesn't. But it really doesn't. Like every kind word that's said... I pretty much pick up on it.
2: And trust me, I'd much rather... I mean, when somebody sends a message, listening to the podcast, for example, saying, I really enjoyed that interview this week, if, if a comment on your work rather than, for
3: example, your appearance... Yeah. Goes so much further. It means so much. It does. The, the, those, those notes of appreciation give you the want and the love to carry on doing yeah. what you do. So, yeah. And and I I love to shout and support other people because I know how much it means to me. Kind words go a really long way. And that's one thing I've changed in myself, actually. I before would never have reached out to people, like maybe friends or or somebody that's in our industry that I, I don't know. I don't. I've never met them, but maybe they've gone through something or they're experiencing something. And for the first time, I will just go on the DMs and go, Hey. I know you don't know me, but I just want to say I think you're incredible and you're smashing it and I know how much kind words mean to me, so I hope these kind words can mean that to you. This is what I'm talking about, you see? You're
2: more than all right. Yeah. You're incredible oh, it's so, it's good, so that good 30 it's years so nice on lou that you're still here
3: oh i know i'm loving every minute of it as well and the greatest hits comes out
2: june 2nd the night before there's a big show with q a yeah you're going to be taking requests at the shepherd's bush yep. Empire. tickets are available now for that you can pre-order the album yes now. And if um if you are a bit of a West End Wendy, then head down to see you play Teen Angel uh, yep. across the summer yep. at the Dominion. Yes, that's my yeah, that's my year so far. And this from the woman that was worried about coming back to <laughs> 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 My huge thanks to Louise Redknapp who is just as lovely as you'd hope, isn't she? Don't forget, her greatest hits are available to pre-order now and available in June. And on June the 1st, she will be headlining the Shepherds Bush Empire for a very special evening of song and conversation. As always, White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Maria Nibbs and the Yahoo Studios team. Our music is courtesy of Andy Bell and editing is by Eleanor Humphreys. We'll be back next week with more great chat. And if your ears need more company by way of fine female vocalists and their conversation, then look no further than our back catalogue where you'll find episodes with Charlene Spiteri, Imelda May, Skin from Skunk and Nancy, Danny Minogue, Delta Goodrem, Ray, Ella Henderson, Banana Rama, The Girls from Steps, and so many more.